so you know my personality and and they do too and at first when i would do it they, they didn't even because it's kind of weird that i would call up and say what i just told you about here's what i want to do however nobody balked at that oh it's gary all right yeah okay and then the first question they had of me was do you have cancer and are you going to die what you doing? <laughs> Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks. Welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Gary Bloom of the Bloom Law Firm. Gary's a lawyer but he's so much more than that. Hey, Gary, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Mark. Pleasure to be here. We said I can talk about anything, right? Let's do it. Okay. You want me to talk now? Yeah. Long well, it wasn't a long time ago. It probably goes back 10 years. And um, I've been fortunate that I've known a lot of people in a lot of different places around the country. And I travel a lot. And I've always had access to airplanes through the job or frequent flyer miles or stuff like that, which gives you an opportunity to keep up with friends that you normally would not have kept up with throughout your life. Guys that you grew up with when you were a kid, guys you went to high school with, the college friends, the work friends, and stuff like that. Well, I realized with my nieces and nephews, the time was passing, and I didn't know any of them really. I had, I would stop back on a typical visit and I'd be there for two, two and a half days. We'd have a party, all get liquored up, uh, do the regular shit that we do. A couple of days later, then I just leave. Didn't really have any meaningful conversations with anybody. So what I decided to start doing was every time I went back, I would section off four hours each day to talk to one person. I would talk to one of the nieces, then her brother, stuff like that. And it was that was the cornerstone of the question. When I started out, it was tell me something about you that would help me know you better. Go tell me what you're thinking about. And I got some amazing answers from these kids. Their parents, I don't think really had ever asked them anything like that or because a parent doesn't do that. A parent no. just kind of pushes them in a direction, beats them up a little bit when they have to, and tells them the way it is. The kid has a whole different thing that he looks at, she looks at, they see, they think about, that they do. And I realized that there was a disconnect between all of my nieces and nephews and their parents. They did not really know what each other was thinking. However, that was, that was just a sideshow on what I was after. I wanted to get to know them better. And so ultimately I did. I took that idea then and I decided all the people that I did the same thing with. Stop by and see Mark in Boston. What's up? You go out and have some beers. You're all, you know, just dicking around or whatever. And then you leave. Well, I didn't really know any, I didn't progress my relationship with Mark. All I did was I kind of stopped by, did what, I don't know, what you would do on a regular Friday night and then leave. So I started changing what I was doing. Same thing now, I would pick people out, 
stop by and see them. And that was the premise. I'm coming now not to do that. I don't want to go out to dinner. I don't want to see anybody else. I want to see you. I want to spend the day with you. I'll, whatever your day is, I, I don't care. We'll go out shopping or whatever, but I want to talk to you about what's the point. Now, what's the point? It came from the metaphysical questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here and where am I going? Now, there's no wrong answer to my question. What's the point? It can be anything that you, you believe that has to do with you that generally answers that question. And it can be in a religious form. It can be in a secular form. It can be in, I don't know, mystical forms that you think. It really doesn't matter. Like I said, there's no right answer to it. Everybody that I asked that question to, the variety of answers that I got in the time and the discussion that we had, all were wonderful. It was amazing. It was, it's a whole, it, to me, it was a whole different approach to a relationship. And I learned also about me as I'm listening to them when they're, they're talking about whatever, because my perception of what they were or what they were thinking about in every situation was changed. It wasn't what it was. I had one idea of this person. And after listening to him for a while, realized, wow, you know, we, and in general, most people spend their lives just kind of bumbling along at the end of the day. They do rather routine things all the time. In fact, they seem to seek repetition on almost everything and it gives them comfort. You know, well, I, I get up and I have my one cup of coffee with one piece of sugar and I walk the dog, you know, it's just like this, whatever. And they haven't, the first surprise is not everybody has thought about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, that, that it's because the difficulty with it is that it requires a level of self-analysis that's that you don't always want to do. I mean, because there, if you take any person, there's good news and bad news about them, whether they realize it or not, or whether they delude themselves or whether they're open to a new idea, it kind of doesn't matter at the end of the day, but the variety of answers. And there were a, a small subset of the more religious, which was kind of surprising to me that out of, and there were probably, I don't know, 25 people that I did, well, 20 maybe, that I did this with. And out of those 20, there were only three to four that made, you know, well, I believe in the, the Christian doctrine of, of what's going to happen to me and, and I'll go and have everlasting life. Not very many thought that. Now, there were more people that had, or well, I guess it was about the same number when, it, when I think about it, that had then um, no idea where it's like, well, ooh, shit, I, you know, I don't, I don't think about that kind of stuff. And they, some of them were then curious about it to, to start thinking about it, but about half of that subset then just they, they didn't, they were going to continue exactly as they were. It's like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to think about that. And I pretty much have my routine set up and I know what I'm going to do. And it's, that's the way, and they didn't care. That, that was the important part. I don't think that it was bothering them. And each one of them, it took them a while 
because every, see, you know my personality and, and they do too. And at first when I would do it, they, they didn't even, because it's kind of weird that I would call up and say what I just told you about, here's what I want to do. However, nobody balked at that. Oh, it's Gary. All right. Yeah. Okay. And then the first question they had of me was, do you have cancer and are you going to die? Like, what are <laughs> you doing? You know, I, I said, no, no, no. I just, I'm, I'm genuinely curious and I, I wanted to get to know what you were thinking about. And I understand if you don't want to do it. Some of them went into, um, now I'm in the majority of them, um, of, of what most of the people were. And every one of them had, um, had transferred it into kind of a um, difficult moment of my life situation or or a um, near-death kind of a thing or something like that. Or I've always been bothered by this, you know, unreconciled difficulties, whether it's a suicide in the family or it's, you know, there, all of the myriad of things that ultimately life presents you with that you have no idea is coming. Because the reference that I had on some of these people goes back when they were five years old. I mean, a few of them I'd known for a long time and realized that a lot of the, the things that I knew about their lives, we'd never talked about right. that happened throughout that. And so we got to talk about those things and it ultimately ended up um, overall with a, as I, as I said earlier, just a, a, a wonderful feeling. And I feel like every one of the people that I spoke to I do know better. And I think that they had, uh, oh, the, the interesting thing about all of those people, right? Not one of them asked me what I thought. Really? Which I, no, they, they just, you know, they were just kind of going on their train and I'm listening to it, but they didn't really say, okay, it's your turn. What's the point? Not one? None of them, none of them. Now, there was only one of them that didn't want to talk about it at all. I mean, that, that wouldn't even uh, go to the subject. And I won't, and it was somebody very close to me, is all I'll say. I won't tell you who it was because I don't want it possibly in any way <laughs> going back to, to, to well, I, I just want to leave it at that. I was, <laughs> yeah, got I was it. shocked, man. I Got thought, it. You know, you, really? You, you don't want to. I, I didn't know what to say, you know, but so, and, but but you you already blocked out four hours. Right. And they're pre they're prepared for a four hour conversation with Gary. That's going to get super deep. They agreed to it. But yeah, well, kind of this was the, the one that was in question. I was going to spend the whole day. So uh, they were aware, you know, and, and they knew that I wanted to talk to him, but they didn't know specifically about what and. And overall, the person had always been pretty guarded about things, but is, is a real control freak in general about everything, where unless it's exactly as the person perceives it, I don't want to upset it. And the only analogy to that, I guess, that I, I can say is, is um, I had a conversation with my mother once when I was younger, and she, she asked me a question, and I said, look. I'm, I'm sick of lying to you. I can't take it. 
you know, I'll, I will, I'll tell you the truth, right? If you want to hear it, because I don't want to be, to not tell you what the hell is going on. She said, well, okay, for example, where the hell have you been the last couple of days? Because no, this was, I, I'd gotten back late. I was supposed to go arrive at the house on one day and, you know, and it took another day and, and all that shit. Well, the short answer to that story was I was thrown in jail, right? So it's like, and I didn't really want to go into that with my mom and stuff. And I was just about ready to come up with some kind of horseshit story. And I said, all right, I'll tell you what happened. And I started out with it. You know, we were drunk. We did this, we did that. And in jail, she goes, oh, stop, stop, Jesus. You know, I don't think like you do. I don't do the things you do. And man, I tell you, I, I don't want to hear about those kind of things. What I want you to do is... Next time you come home, when I ask you, how are you doing? I want you to tell me, I have a lot of nice friends and we do a lot of nice things. I said, really? Okay. You, you, you don't want to know? I go, well, all right, I'll do that. But if you ever really want to know, just tell me, because I'll tell you exactly what happened. So six months go by. I come home. What? Mom, how are you doing? Great. How about you? Oh, I'll tell you, we have had so much fun with my friends. I was living in LA at the time. I said, oh, we, we go down to the beach and we're helping a lot of people and we're just doing a, a lot of really good things. And she looks back at me with a straight face, goes, well, that's really wonderful, Gary. That's good. Welcome home. And I thought, oh my God, she's, I guess she doesn't really give a shit about generally stuff but that's how we did it the rest of the time never had to lie to her but yet you felt like you were lying to her but then you got permission to to lie to her from her right well, i got it no i was instructed right here's your story i don't right. want to hear your shit I, mean, I don't i don't want to hear that crazy truth thing right i mean give me this give me the script back so let me ask you this though you brought that story in because you were talking about this person who didn't want to right share you want to talk to me and i the the uh the, the person um i even told that story to and said do you, you you want do you want to really be like this i mean because because they they knew my mother you know because you know the hometown and all that kind of stuff and they said, well, yeah, I, I, I don't want to talk about that. And we didn't. And we haven't. And it's, that's been, oh, God, probably four years since that occurred. And I'm going to climb that mountain again, though. Oh, eventually, I'm going to go back. And, and I want to ask her the question again, because she's got to be thinking about it. Has to be. Has I mean, to be. everybody does, because she's smart. It's and I know that that's crossed her mind. So they are definitely thinking about this. There's no question. Plus, they're probably commiserating with other people who have had these conversations with you, right? Probably. Did you talk to Gary? Did Gary? Did Gary? Did Gary set? Did he set a meeting with you yet? Did you get a meeting with Gary yet? And he asked you, <clears throat> "What's the point?" Did he ask you that yet? Uh, sure. And now you're now you're simply sharpening your saw to climb that mountain again. So Gary, what's the point? Now it's my turn, huh? Well, no one's ever asked you, which is fascinating to me because I got to tell you, I, I would. Well, thank you. And well, you just did actually. Um, were you in a fraternity? 
I was. You, college? you were? I was. Do you remember what the secret was? No. Well, the fraternity I was in, you know, they had a secret. They also had the handshake and shit like that. The secret was, there's no secret. That's maybe that's answer. maybe that's why I don't remember it. <laughs> maybe we were in the same. Maybe we were in the same fraternity, or maybe I am so trained to keep a secret that I vaulted it and then shut it down and, and, kept, it, and let it go. Thing. I forgot it so that I wouldn't leak it. But that's the same answer. That that right. was that's been my conclusion on. Oh my God! I started um, trying to answer that question because my father was. Um, disenchanted with religion because his parent his his mother and father and his family were outrageous christians and i remember as a little kid going to the country church uh, on the indiana border with ohio to 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 with his father and it was a big part of his life and in fact one of my cousins you know, my, some relative of mine, I don't know how close it was, was one of the people that drank the Kool-Aid at, at Jonestown. And oh, died. really? Right. So that's, I'm talking about crazy kind of Christians where they're real serious about it. Well, anyhow, my father hated it due to the abject hypocrisy that was in it that he couldn't stand. He goes, yeah, they all blow around on Sunday like they're good people and crap and then they, they're horrible humans out in the world he, he didn't couldn't stand it so we weren't really force-fed that whole idea about Christianity or about anything which was good because it gives you a great amount of freedom to be able to look at what's going on which I started doing at a very young age looking at philosophy and different ideas and things about it and realizing and coming to my conclusions about things that there are the thing that you, or at least that I saw in it, there's, there are good pieces of everything, um, whether it's the Quran or it's the Bible or anything at all that's, that's written like that, you can pull pieces from it. And you have to come, the, the, even though there is no answer and there's no point to it, you have to look. If you don't look, there's an element of your existence that you're really missing. There are only two things that I think that are, are, are fascinating overall in, in the entire universe, right? Um, one of them is the universe. I mean, you see those Hubble pictures and you realize, wow, this is, there's a lot of shit going on. I mean, yeah. this, this is something. And the other thing is your mind. It has so, so many nooks and crannies that in and of itself, it's its own universe also. It creates the universe for you. What a gift you've been given to have in this thing. And the inability of people to get beyond whatever the routine is or whatever their day-to-day -day stuff is and think a little bit about it and spend idle time. And I don't, see, that's a misnomer. That's this, um, uh, my family's German. So they have this work idea that your life is, has no meaning unless you're working. You know, you got to achieve and do and what, you know, it's the whole dramatic horde kind of thing. But you need time and to, to just sit outside and think. Think about what the hell, why, why am I here? What the hell am I doing? What, what, 
what do I stand for? Do I have anything? No one has time to do that anymore. It's always her. Look at what we had to do to have this podcast. Had to shuffle it, do this, or, you know, because you're too damn busy. I got to do this. I got to go past a kidney stone. Give me a minute. <laughs> Here you go. Well, okay. But at some time, if you don't think about it, what happens? I would hate to think, and, and oh man, an existence where I go through my existence and I'm, I'm laying with hospice now. And all of a sudden at that moment, I get enlightened. And then five minutes later, I die. Mm. Oh, geez, what a horrible thing. I, I look talking about my mother. I later on, I thought about that and I knew that was her path. And what I hoped for was that she did not ever become enlightened. It's okay. You don't have to, that you're, you're content with the universe that you've built inside your mind. You're content with the day that you have. That in and of itself is fine. That lead, that's part of the no answer. That was your answer. And I believe, I was there when she died. I believe she was happy. And I know that she was happy about her life. So you don't have to have a specific answer to that thing. But, and I'm, I don't have that answer, but I think about it. I'm thinking about it now. I think about it in some element every day. And you're just starting into the health portal. And I've been in it for a while. And if you've had a couple of the near death experiences and all that kind of shit, it kind of makes the way you look at things a little different. And now the overriding thing is every morning I wake up, I'm grateful. Wow, you're gonna give me another day? Shit, okay, great. And now every other day that I've got is a bonus. And what I'm doing, oh, the first, my first entry into the portal, my first kidney stone was my first heart attack 20 years ago. And it happened on a mountain in Canada, in British Columbia called Whistler. And I managed to make it through. I was exhausted, whatever. Got to Phoenix, went to the uh, Scottsdale North Hospital. You know, they fixed me up, got the morphine, stented me out. I'm all set and I didn't die, right? I was angry as shit when that happened. And I, in fact, I cursed the mountain. And the next year we went to uh, Idaho skiing and I, I cursed all the mountains. I said, I can't believe you sons of bitches would do that to me. Threw the skis off, never skied again. Well, this year, I'm going back to Whistler. It's been 20 years. And I'm going to apologize to the mountain. I can't believe that I was that kind of a human that would do that. And I think that my the balance sheet of existence that's there, it's out of whack. I owe that place an apology for what I did. So it's, it's the GE guys um, that I'm, I'm going with that we used to work together. And every year we go someplace to ski. And we're going this year back to Whistler. And I'm going to go up to the mountain and apologize. Now, what happened was Whistler, there's a village that's here. And I skied down on the other side of the mountain from where the village is. I got onto a gondola to get up to the top so I could go back to the village because I cooked for the group. And I had to cook dinner and I had to get my ass back and start going, right? No one was on the gondola with me when I got on it and I passed out. 
So I'm, I'm laying on the gondola and the guy that's at the top of it, he gets me up and he goes, you can't sleep on this. Get the hell up, right? I'm like, oh, okay. So I ski down the hill, had cooked dinner, went to bed immediately, which everybody was shocked at because I'm the last guy up kind of a deal and, and made it to Phoenix and lived. So now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go up the mountain, down where the gondola is, get on the gondola and take it up to the top. Now, what if I get to the top now, and let's assume there's nobody on the gondola, just like it was, because I'm going to do it late in the day. I get up to the top, I take the step out of the gondola, and all of a sudden, I'm back at that moment in time 20 years ago. I then look around, take a couple of breaths, and I'm dead. Everything that's in my mind now, including your podcast, was just a dream. It's a fascinating thought. I look forward to seeing. Well, I hope and I pray because I still uh, have a religion. I hope and I pray that you make it to the top. You step out, you raise your hands up, you apologize, you say thank you, and you ski down and you make dinner. Well, that's the plan. Um, I'm bringing guys with me to get the body down if it doesn't work. <laughs> oh man, that's that is uh, fascinating. That really is. So, how is this new thought process, this this interview process that you're doing? You're deepening these relationships. Your what you said. You're you're finding out that you were actually wrong every single time about each person, right? That is amazing to me. How is that translating back to how you look at your clients in business? Oh, uh, well, practicing law is difficult because everyone that comes to you has a problem. And it's usually a serious problem. And my problems uh, that are presented to me are always about money, where it's this, this, or that. And some of the, the psychological studies I've read are that people would, would rather die than lose all their money and, and you know, be destitute and stuff like that. So it has an inordinate amount of influence on them, which you're seeing them in their worst state. And it turns out that most of them, so when they first come to you and they ask you, and you, you ask them, well, tell me your story. That's because I, I need to know the facts. Tell me what's going on with it. The client that always troubles you is, is, well, what should my story be? <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. Give me something to work with here. Um, I look at all of those, those people in that kind of a way, and I try to approach the process of the legal thing as a Zen thing. Yeah. Realize that what, and part of that is, um, is the same Zen approach to the bar exam. The problem with the bar exam is you have so much information that they give. They could, they could cover any topic they want. And the bar I took in Minnesota even had a tax question on it. Can you believe that? So, that, well, it turns out to me that was kind of easy. I figured, okay, it's a tax. <laughs> what the right. hell? But when, in doubt, when in doubt, it's, it's a tax. It's taxable. Yeah, you just got to <laughs> cook up a story. Why? Well, anyhow, the idea is I'm doing witness preparation with anybody. <clears throat> And the same thing with the bar, you're prepping. You have to accept when it is asked, you will know. 
You have to go into it peacefully. You know more about this than anybody else does because we're asking you what's in your head. Now, the answer that you give, sometimes they'll try to confuse you. And if they do, the metaphor that you're after is the monkey. The monkey's on a tree and he goes up the trunk because that's the way you get out, but you have to get out on a branch to get the fruit. And you gotta shake that branch to get the fruit off of the tree. What you wanna do is keep that monkey on the trunk. I don't want him out here jumping around, dropping fruit. So have an idea. You have an idea on the case. The idea of the case is I didn't pay the promissory note and I owe you money and you're suing me for it. Well, I, the, my answer is, is I don't owe you the money that it was a fraudulent here or did that or I've already paid you or I'm not required to pay you or whatever the base story is, stick to that. Don't let the guy get out on the tree to drop the, the, the fruit on you, but always go back to that and know that you will have the answer at the time the question is asked. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, um, but you, you, you can't incorporate too much of that in because most people don't think that way and you don't want them thinking you're insane. Right. So there's 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 kind of you know you want them to have faith in you that i'll get you through this but you're going to have it's going to be a tough path and it is a marathon race it is not a sprint because the only it's like somebody going to jail the only thing they want is out they don't give a shit how they don't know and they want it now they don't want it in a week they don't they want the whole thing to end and if the trial is going to go on for two or three years they don't want to hear that it's like, oh man, you know, I can't you make it stop now? Well, no. And now with the COVID mess, man, all the hearing dates are set out. It's it's backlog mess. Um, so I can I can only incorporate pieces of that into what I'm doing with with the general clients. What about the clients now? Are you are you um, picking and choosing your clients more carefully? Like who who's the ideal client these days? Well, I'll give you, Dave Chappelle did a comedy routine where it had Dave's answer when he was 20 and Dave's answer when he, you know, well, the answer to that question when Gary was starting out, right, young lawyer, the answer to the ideal client is a rich guy that's scared. <laughs> Later on then, as Gary got gone on it, middle Gary, right? What's the, what's the perfect client for middle Gary? Well, it's still a rich guy. I mean, you know, you always have to have a rich guy to pay the fees and you can't be, I don't want to fight over a, a bicycle ordinance infraction or something. Um, but now it has to be somebody that's, um, that's a decent person. I mean, and, and middle Gary, I'm talking about you're in it maybe 15 years or so that you've been practicing, that's middle Gary. Um, you get to a point where within not even five minutes of talking to somebody, you know them. I, I know whether you're honest, I can tell whether you're gonna be difficult in this, I know you're not gonna pay me, I, you know, all of those kind of things, you get so you know. Okay, current Gary. I got rid of all my litigation stuff, it took about a year 
to do it. The realization then of Gary now is that a lawyer can be a force for evil or a force for good. How, how do you choose to practice? And you can um, destroy somebody, actually. I mean, you know, and, and really make a negative impact on what they're doing. Um, and I reached the conclusion that basically what I've been doing for, you know, Gary one and Gary two was just fighting constantly. Every, everything is a battle. And I have noticed that over, over time, and I'm talking about 25, 30 years of practice on it, that the cordiality of humans is pretty much down to nothing. The cordiality among professionals, it's kind of gone too. I mean, it's no longer as collegial as it was where I can, I can call up opposing counsel and let's work a deal. You know, do we really need to go through all this kind of stuff? And the answer now is, is it seems, yeah, you do. And you have to litigate and fight and argue ridiculous positions about things or whatever. I don't want to do that anymore. I think that's destructive. And that's why I eliminated litigation. I now choose to do more transaction-oriented stuff. And I'm, I hope that by 2022, so you're hitting me at it pretty good time that um, I'm working as in-house counsel for a sports arena. And I can't tell you any more than that now because I, I don't have everything finalized on what we're doing. We've been working on this for five or six years, but we're trying to help youth sports out, young people, and particularly women that are extremely disadvantaged. And we, we cater to the traveling tournament teams in volleyball, basketball, stuff like that. And we're going to set up a, a foundation um, that eventually for the first five years, I wanna set up the arena, get the thing going with, uh, with my partner and, and all this stuff that we're doing. But eventually I'm gonna get out of that. And I want to run the foundation that's going to be fed by these arenas, ultimately. That's our plan to be able to benefit, uh, well, young people. And what we're after in Maricopa County in particular is almost 30% of the young people that are here do not graduate from high school. I'm not talking about college, I'm talking about high school. They have an option in Arizona at 16 years old that the parents sign off and they're out. They, they can go. And many people, oh, I want my kid working or we're going to do this or can't see the point of school or whatever. So we're trying to help that out. So I believe that ultimately what I'm trying to do is I want to be a force for good. I want to help somebody instead of just a bunch of rich guys that, that have, well, they got a thousand axes to grind. I mean, Jesus, they're rich. Everyone's after them. So hopefully that's, kind of the way it goes i hope that is how it goes and i love the uh i love the the evolution and the and the sharing that you've you've uh just bestowed upon us with that because that is inspiring to see how one career path can evolve in in uh in a way like that and i've always um seen you as a mentor so i appreciate you and all that you've shared with me over the years, uh, full disclosure, people, right when I passed the bar, the first person I went to see was was Gary Bloom, and 
And I said, how do I do this? What, what, what should I do next? And um, oh, I remember your... that. Oh, man. So wow. I, took, I took that cross-country trip. I stopped into your office. I stayed with you, but I stopped into your office and, and spent a day with you. We met with some clients. And you, there's still to this day, uh, some of the statements that you made to me that day, I, I hold true to my, my profession. And it's um, one of them was always tell the truth. And I'm like, okay, well, I planned on that. But when somebody asks you if you've ever done this before, tell them the truth. No, I haven't, but I'm going to work really hard at understanding it, researching it, and doing a better job than anybody else has done and I won't charge you for the learning process. And I, and I stood, I used that for many years. Uh, but the other one was, um, and, I, and I talk to my attorneys about this all the time is, people make mistakes. We're all human beings. And as long as you're honest about it upfront, you meet it straight on and then you fix it, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna hold you to the, let me say that again. Nobody's going to look down upon you for that. And you'll right. always, it will have a good ending. It will always have a good ending. Yeah, it's I, when you duck and dodge and hide and don't answer that phone call and, and, you know, try to avoid that pain. You got to hit that pain head on honestly and fix it. And nothing is going to, nothing is going to take you down. It won't. I, well, I agree with that sentiment. Thank you for remembering that. I, you're right. I've used that with my kids with it's and we had a well I can tell a story right sure, we got of course um, they weren't I have twin sons uh, and well Mark knows but um, and they had been out with one of their little friends and we have washes in Phoenix and most of the yards have fences that are around <clears throat> they went out with their little buddies and they were throwing rocks over one of the fences in somebody's yard, just general vandalism, nothing in particular or whatever. Well, it turns out though, there was a, a car that was over there that they were, they hit the rocks, hit it, broke the windows and damaged it and all this stuff. And for whatever reason, my, my sons hung around and because the guy heard this and screaming at him, wait a minute, get over here. And they, they went, which, it's kind of surprising. I would have assumed they would, would have run. The other kid did, but, but they didn't. And um, I get a call. So I go over to the guy and the other father came too because we had that name. So there's the other father and me that are there. Our sons are there. And the guy is just pissed off about obviously, you know. And the other father was well how do you know it was them wait a minute this is kind of bullshit what's going on here uh, i don't know if my kid does that or whatever and just going on about it and stuff and i looked at the guy and said we're horribly sorry for this and i will make sure that they pay for it and i don't want this to affect because it was his daughter's car said, I don't want this to affect your daughter's insurance. Um, this is solely the responsibility of, of, of the boys for doing this. And I will make sure that it comes out of them, but go get it fixed. Send me the bill, whatever it is, I'll pay it hundred percent, whatever that's going to cost to get the car exactly as it was. And I'll make sure that those, those knuckleheads work it out and they're going to pay. And the guy looks at 
at me and he looks at the other father and he goes, yeah, I think I'll just deal with you on this one. And the other father never accepted any responsibility for it, didn't contribute anything. The guy then comes to my office and he was, um, uh, he, had the, he, he had the bill. And I said, great, thank you for that, that's good. And he goes, you know, I've, um, no, no one ever admits shit. And he goes, and, and ultimately I don't worry about it because you guys were willing to do that. That's enough for me. I, I've already submitted to the insurance and it's been taken care of. I, I didn't want to do that. And I said, geez, man, that's unbelievable that, that thank you for that. That's really great, but I'm still punishing them though. So if you would, I'll tell you what here, cause I, I had a couple hundred dollars in my pocket or whatever, at least take this and give it to your daughter and tell her thank you for, for being gracious about it. That's really wonderful. And this way, I can at least get some punishment out of my kids. I can get a message across and all be okay. And the message that I gave the kids then was, see how it can turn out. That could have been very ugly. But you told them, you admitted it, and you offered to fix it, and you demonstrated you were sorry about it. And it, this can be the way the rest of your life will unfold. People want to help you. People want to forgive you. Everybody wants to have a, that kind of a world. It's just that most of the time we lose that. We get all fearful or, or trepidatious about it and untrusting and angry and confused. And you don't know what to do. But if you do tell somebody the truth at the end of the day, it, you know, it never ends bad. You'll be okay. And it worked out. Never ends bad. Never ends bad. It's funny. I tell that story to my kids, not that story, but I tell the difference between uh, Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit. And <clears throat> both of them were Hall of Fame pitchers. Both of them had an amazing career. Both of them did. They cheated. They both did something wrong. Roger Clemens fought, denied, made counter accusations, did everything possible to get out of the jam. And Andy Pettit said, yep, I did it. I apologize. I'm sorry. Who's going to look differently as history looks back, right? Who's, people will forget that Andy Pettit was part of that whole scandal, but Roger I Clemens- I can't even remember his name. Right, okay. exactly. Right. But Roger Clemens, you know, you look like a liar. You, you're, you, no one will ever trust you. No one right. will ever lend you money and climb up that tree trunk definitely i it, it it's the leap of faith that ultimately you have to take and at the core people are good they just need to be given a chance and it's it, sometimes that's hard to see it takes wow. cur it takes courage because what you were pointing out to me at a very young age was it'll be easy to cut that corner it'll be oh, easy yeah. to deceive and decept it wasn't my fault it was someone else's fault but, you know, A, it's wrong. And B, like you said, it always ends well. And it usually deepens the relationship. Look at the stand-up guy that he is. He yes. owned this problem. Yeah, it maybe cost a couple hundred thousand 
not a hundred thousand, but a couple hundred or a thousand, it might cost a couple hundred thousand. I'd be calling the insurance company if that were the case, but knock on wood. But, you know, you may have to own some financial responsibility. You might need to own some reputational responsibility, but it always ends well. Yes, I, I agree. Um, I'm surprised more people don't do it. I mean, you see, and it's, it seems to be getting worse. You, you listen to any politician, boy, that's a, wow, what a difficult, horrible situation that they continually place themselves in. And I don't know that they have to. Um, no, no. But that politicians, that'll be part two of our, of our conversation. It always ends well is going to end today's conversation. But Gary, I have two questions that I always ask folks on our podcast. Okay. First and foremost, people put themselves out by being on a podcast. They're expanding their comfort zone. One of the events that I enjoy most where people are expanding their comfort zone is karaoke. What is your go-to karaoke song, Gary Bloom? How blue can you get? B.B. King. No doubt. That's what you're singing. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's life. And it's SBB. Yes. I love it. I love it. And when we have an event where we bring all of our guests together, that's going to be the focal point. Yeah, that's okay. the one you're singing. Question number two. How does someone who wants to work with you get in touch with you? Oh, shit. Is somebody going to send me an email now? Do you not want anyone to reach out to you? <laughs> um, well, it depends. Oh, I that's mean, right. Because you're not really... Uh, well, let me tell you the problem with, I'm not on Facebook. I'm on no social media whatsoever. I don't do anything like that. I'm the kind of person that I found out a long time ago that um, I was in a military situation. I had an opportunity to read people's evaluations of me, right? And I had a lot of them because the way it worked was you had to do evaluations of the best three people in the company the worst three people in a company and three people at random was what you had to do. I obtained my information and I looked through the file and it was, first of all, it was very big. You know, there were, were a lot of uh, opinions about me and they were split almost perfectly down the middle. Half of the people said, you know, if I was in battle with him, I'd kill him. And the other half said, oh, I'd go to battle with him. I'll kill anybody. I'm on his side. So I'm, I'm a very polarizing kind of person. And what that does is, is throughout your life, that creates you know, a lot of people love you, a lot of people that hate you. Well, if I was present on Facebook all the time and stuff, a lot of the, the bad people might come forward and go, you son of a bitch, you know, and you beat me up when I was in the fifth grade and I hate your guts. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> You know, I don't want to hear that, really. You're still pissed off about that? Here, let me tell you, you're a moron now, so you get pissed off about something current. See, so, I mean, you can't do that. I mean, that's so... And it, it, actually was, happens uh, on, it actually happens on Facebook every day, unfortunately. And that's probably a blessing that you're not in there. Well, it is. And what I've noticed on the Facebook stuff is people are very mean-spirited about shit. I mean, they don't... It's as if they don't realize that they're really talking to somebody else, that in some way the Facebook creates this, I don't know, this zone where you can just throw any kind of trash into it. It doesn't matter. 
and that, that it's not going to have an effect. And they, all they want to do at the, at the instant they do it is just spit this bile out and then they don't think about it anymore. Well, it, it does have, in fact, it has more lasting effect than a regular conversation with somebody because it's always there. Right. I mean, you know, once it's out and it's been bounced around. Uh, so Gary, again, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your knowledge and wisdom. And I, uh, I am looking forward to seeing you again very soon. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Securitidal. Securitidal helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Securitidal, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein. Thank you.